For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, chartered accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. 705 on CJAD 800. Welcome to today's Entrepreneur, presented by Fuller Landau, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmar, along with Fuller Landau's Josh Miller. Hello, Josh. Hello. So usually we talk about Quebec entrepreneurs, uh, but uh, uh, exceptionally, we're going to go overseas and over to Hong Kong. And so we welcome Vincent Bremer of Orangefield ICS, the program. Vincent, welcome to CJAD. Thank you. And welcome to Montreal. Yes, thank you. So first, uh, we also have we have a lot to discuss. We'll get uh, a bit more into business with China later on in the hour. But first, uh, can you tell us a bit about Orangefield ICS and what it is that you do? Yes. Um, Orangefield ICS, actually, uh, the ICS part was founded by a Canadian lady back in the 80s. And she saw Hong Kong as uh, the perfect place to start business in China. So she started the business in the 80s helped a lot of Canadian entrepreneurs to get started in, in uh, doing their business in both Hong Kong and China. Um, so basically what we do, which we help clients to get uh, get started, set up their legal structure. Once the legal structure, uh, structure is being set up, we help them to uh, take care of all their obligations. So we help them to do their tax filings, uh, accounting, uh, legal services. So that's what we do both in Hong Kong and in China. So you act, I mean, I guess, uh, I, I, and I know Orangefield ICS for many years, and we're, you know, Dan, we're talking about Hong Kong, which is truly close to my heart as, as you know, we've been doing, uh, us and Fuller Orlando have been involved with Hong Kong and doing business there and helping clients for, for almost 20 years now. And I know that Orangefield, I mean, Vincent uh, doesn't necessarily do Orangefield ICS uh, favor because there's so much more that they do to help the clients. I mean, they can really be that, that virtual office and virtual CFO uh, where companies, foreign companies, don't have to rent their own space and don't have to hire their own people, so it's 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 truly valuable. And certainly, when you're starting out and you're you're kind of uncertain of the areas, so I guess that my my next question is: What you have not been with Orangefield ICS or ICS in, in Hong Kong forever? What brought you there? And like you know, how did you find the 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 change from where you did come from, from from Holland or Netherlands to Hong Kong? Uh, no, that's true. Uh, I've been with Orangefield for 14 years, uh, but we only acquired ICS back in 2012. You're absolutely right. Uh, basically, we're there for clients to make sure that whatever they want to use third parties for, we take care of them. So we coordinate everything they, they run into of doing business abroad and basically for them dealing with new markets. Um, uh, a lot of the clients don't feel that comfortable yet uh, when they start their, doing their business overseas. Um, so that's where we come into the picture. Um, and that has been the case with ICS from, from the 80s. Um, I've been doing this for four years in Hong Kong. Um, so before I moved to Hong Kong, I was working in the Netherlands, um, basically doing the other way around, helping Asian clients to get started in Europe. Um, so dealing with a lot of Japanese, Korean clients, and later on then with the Chinese. Um, um, so I've been dealing with Asian clients quite a lot, um, and now I'm dealing with Asian staff, which is a different angle, but probably a similar experience that it's, uh, it's, it's more detailed. Um, uh, you really need to be more explicit in, in how things work and what you expect. Uh, but then also probably there's less confusion and misunderstanding than between uh, if you deal with Western clients because they expect you to be more uh, proactive. Well, probably dealing with Asian clients or Asian staff, it's it's... Uh, much more 
details. And we'll come to the human resource factor a little later because I know there's so much more to talk on it. But did Orangefield have a presence in Hong Kong before it acquired ICS Trust? Yes, we had, uh, but it was a small operation. We had about 15 staff. Uh, so we're in total 60 staff at the moment. Um, and we have two China offices, one in Shanghai and one in Beijing. Uh, but uh, the, the Hong Kong office was basically just a Hong Kong office, which, which was not really dealing with um, China at all. Now, the, you know, certainly entrepreneurs here, they go through mergers and acquisitions all the time. And I'd like to talk a little bit about the experience that Orangefield had with ICS and kind of see, you know, how similar, how different uh, it is versus uh, perhaps an acquisition here. Uh, I suspect it's rather similar, especially since you were dealing with uh, a Canadian founder uh, of, the, of, of the organization. But I'm just curious to know, when you were going through that process, was, did it take a long time? Like, you know, how, how, how from the moment that you set your eyes or started looking at until you closed the deal, how long was it? Um, when we started looking for a deal, I think probably and closing the deal, with, that's over two years. Uh, we spoke also with some local providers, mm -hmm. some Asian firms. Um, and I think that actually proved to be more difficult because they have a different kind of standard looking at business differently and probably also more reluctant to share information, which makes it difficult to do a deal because ultimately you need to provide information on your operations, on your finances. Mm -hmm. So uh, for, for the Asian clients, that was uh, for the Asian prospects or targets, uh, that was more difficult. Then we got introduced to the ICS. Um, and I think then even overall with the due diligence, the new negotiations, uh, we did client interviews, staff interviews, probably it took over a year to really from start to finish conclude the deal. Uh, but yeah, you're right, it's easier because the founders uh, were, were Canadian, so they understood where where you're coming from and they understood uh, what, what needed to be answered. Um, so what, that made what, would you, what would you say the biggest challenge was in closing that deal? Uh, persons. <laughs> it's, 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 uh, we, we acquired a company which was run by two individuals. They owned the company. Um, so basically they had to feel comfortable with the change. And they owned uh, it for a very long time. They owned it for a very long time. So for them it was really letting something go which was theirs. And I think if you buy something which is more corporately owned, then there's probably less of a, an attachment to the, to, the, to, the, to the company and its history. Uh, but in this particular case, even though probably they realized that they wanted to sell the business as a kind of retirement or plan, um, and, and actually making it happen was probably more difficult. So the, 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 the most difficult part was ex uh, definitely the, the personal part. As you look back, is there anything that you might have done differently or if you're looking at another acquisition, areas that you would focus on or change? It depends a little bit on what kind of acquisition you do. Um, we have done acquisitions whereby um, the previous owners remained in the company and basically became a minority shareholder and then they sell the upside of joining a bigger group. Then it's probably easier to make it less personal. So uh, in this particular case we knew that the previous owner were going to fade out gradually. Um, um, uh, and looking back, we had some of the discussion directly with them while they engaged an uh, intermediary to do the negotiations on their behalf. And probably we should have done that as well, not talk to them directly, but use the intermediary to basically deliver our message and make it less personal. So, I, so, that, so that they don't kind of fight for their own baby, they can kind of translate it to the vendors and say, you know what, this is just normal. Yeah, or at least the intermediary is able to explain where that is coming from um, uh, and make it less personal. Because if we are sitting 
in the, at the same table and really saying, looking at financial terms and conditions, reps and warranties, they're, they're thinking about their reputation, the history of the company rather than the financial terms and conditions. So, um, yeah, we should have used the intermediary for, for those discussions rather than sitting at the same table and discussing things openly. Do you sense a lot of apprehension when clients want to start doing business in China? Um, yes, it's for, for, I think the interesting part for us is uh, um, we can build the bridge between the East and the West. Um, and I think the, the challenging part of China um, is still the unknown, uh, which works for us, uh, because then that's why clients come to us. Um, it, it's getting better, but still, so there are definitely opportunities in, in China. Um, it, it's getting more transparent. But it's still for for clients to make make the decision and take the step into China. I think they need to have a bit more comfort, and that's really comfort which which they're looking for. And if they can can find a firm like us who have been accompanying so many clients into China and basically have um, the history and the experience with that, I think that gives them that comfort which they they are looking for. And I think Dan, you know, entrepreneurs have enough uncertainty when they do business or start business locally here to go. 12,000 miles away in a country that where, okay, Hong Kong has an official language of English, but China certainly doesn't, makes it that much more interesting. And I think when, we, when we're in the bottom half of the hour, we're going to talk about a lot of the other challenges when entrepreneurs want to move into the Far East. We're talking with uh, Vincent Bremer of Orangefield ICS about doing business in Hong Kong and China. Today's Entrepreneur on CJAD at 7.15. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, Chartered Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Coming up to 7.20 on Today's Entrepreneur, inspiring stories from outstanding business people, Dan Delmar and Josh Miller with you of Fuller Landau. And this evening, our guest is Vincent Bremer of Orangefield ICS. They help people do business in China and Hong Kong, where Vincent is now based for the last four years. And uh, let's talk a bit about marketing, Josh, because I think it's very interesting when you have a, a service that's uh, very unique, certainly. Uh, Vincent, how do you go about uh, promoting this uh, this uh, this service? Uh, because essentially, your market is, uh, well, the entire the entire world pretty much I mean you get you must have clients from everywhere yes we do have clients from everywhere although we uh, defined a number of uh, markets where we specifically uh, want to obtain clients from um, as mentioned Canada is one of them because we have a strong heritage here we have a strong network of clients and business partners uh, we identified the number of key markets in Europe uh, the US is in, uh, an interesting market for us so basically we have in Canada, we have two dedicated agents, uh, one in Montreal and one in Toronto, who are able to meet our potential clients and our uh, introducers, uh, explain what we can do for our clients, and, and, and then basically link them to the operations in China and or Hong Kong. Um, and then the execution will be taking, uh, will be taking place in, uh, in Hong Kong or in China. Um, so it's sometimes directly through our, our existing network. Um, we have um, links with trade organizations, chambers of commerce, uh, law firms, uh, banks. So they all introduce clients to us. So uh, for us, it's important that they will keep us in mind if, if they have some clients who are, want to expand into Asia. You, you definitely have competition in Hong Kong. Do you find that there's the same competition here in Canada for what you can offer? No, in Hong Kong, it's, um, it's a very competitive market. And that's also why we decided that it's uh, probably better to market outside of Hong Kong. So we don't really obtain that many clients in Hong Kong itself. 
because often already the clients decided uh, who, which firm they're going to use. So that's why we have the agents in uh, in Canada. We have an agent in Germany, for example. So we use our offices network all around the world to obtain the clients, introduce our services, um, and then introduce them to our operations in Hong Kong and in China. Uh, because if the client comes to Hong Kong or is already present in Hong Kong, we're probably too late because they already decided or they have a kind of relationship going with a provider or, or, or a business partner. Um, so that's why, from a marketing perspective, we really put all the efforts in the market, the home market of the client. So part of it must be that you must have a challenge of visibility. I mean, people, you know, it's it's easier to do business with somebody if they at least recognize the name and recognize the firm. Uh, I know there's always the referral, uh, and you have people on the ground for that and all your your contacts. But then there's just making sure that people are somewhat familiar with the ICS name or the now Orangefield ICS. So do you, I mean, do you use like social media or anywhere on the internet to try and have blasts out so that there's a bit of a comfort zone if somebody walks in and says, hey, maybe you can deal with Warnersfield ICS, that it could be a familiar name to them at that point. Yes, we do, we, we do a number of things. Uh, of course, we have the website, which is a very easy one, and it's actually quite successful. Um, uh, everybody we meet during events, uh, uh, client meetings, uh, are part of our newsletter. So we have around 10,000 people who subscribe to our newsletter. Uh, we have a LinkedIn page uh, specifically focusing on developments within uh, Hong Kong and in China. Um, so social media, we don't do Twitter or uh, these kind of things, but, but the LinkedIn page is being uh, used quite often. Uh, the newsletter is very uh, well looked at and, and, and the website. Um, and then we have specific initiatives, marketing initiatives for, for, for certain uh, markets. So in Germany, we, we do, do certain things so during a national holiday, give people uh, uh, really try to strengthen the relationship uh, through the agents and through our uh, people in Hong Kong will do the same for Canada. So that's what we are doing. Vincent Bremer, our guest from Orangefield ICS, talking about doing business in Hong Kong and in China. Uh, our our con conversation continues after the break at 7.23. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, Chartered Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. 7.26, Josh, uh, Vincent Bremmer joins us from Orange, Orangefield ICS. He is based in Hong Kong and uh, his firm helps people do business in China. And we were talking about marketing and, and one question that is always important to me because especially he's, you know, he's on the net and doing social media and doing worldwide businesses, do you measure your marketing efforts? Do you know how many people read your your uh, your e-newsletters? Do you know how many people hit your site? Are you do you keep tabs on that so you know what works and what doesn't work? Yes, we do to a certain extent, and probably we're not as sophisticated yet as we need to be, uh, because in our experience, especially as a service provider, a lot of the businesses comes from personal contacts um, still, so they might come in through the social media, the websites, but then it's the personal contact, so. We have an idea about, like, from the 10,000 people who subscribe to the newsletter, 2,000 people really click into the content. So that's quite a good rate, I would say, because normally in, the, in Asia you get, like, 20 newsletters a day. Mm -hmm. um, so a lot of people just delete, delete. Um, and then um, um, so the 20% success rate is quite high. And then we have the same for the LinkedIn page. Um, we know that uh, uh, we are being found on Google with the Google search. Probably as a corporate service provider in Hong Kong, we're not that high on the list. But like within specific areas, we're much higher. Like we also help help charities to get started in Hong Kong because Hong Kong is is actually a very interesting hub to raise funds 
um, uh, uh, in Asia. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of Western, a lot of Western charities are setting up in Hong Kong to basically approach a Chinese market and raise funds. Uh, we're very high on that list, so we get a lot of referrals from that. So we're we measure measure that. Um, but again, I think probably we need to be a bit more sophisticated and do a little bit more research on how much business is coming from it uh, and how we can improve it. So that's work in progress. And, you know, we were talking about the acquisition earlier of ICS and your name today, at least in Hong Kong circles uh, and Canadian circles, is Orangefield ICS. Do you have a strategy at some point to just be back to your true name, your original name, of just Orangefield? Like, do you think ahead and say ICS is a brand and it's a worthwhile brand because there's name recognition there's 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 people that know that 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 i guess product that service do you think ahead and say you know what there's still a value there but in the long run we might have to consider only just being orangefield which is the company that acquired um yes but i think uh, that's also why we kept the name ICS for the the first period after the acquisition because of the recognition and and the brand and especially in Canada, probably it's, it's a way better brand than, than, than Orangefield. Um, so for, from that perspective, we still get some leads or contacts from the past who, who, who like, oh, I used to work with ICS and I found your name or I went through the internet and made sure that uh, I, I came to Orangefield ICS. So from that perspective, we, we need to make sure that we don't lose that. Uh, but ultimately, of course, it, it is a bit of a mixed signal if you have different names mm-hmm. with throughout the group. So even if you did multiple acquisitions, at a certain stage you need to become consistent and say we're Orangefield and we're not Orangefield ICS and Orangefield X in another jurisdiction. So uh, there's, this is a transition period to make sure that we don't lose any of that history uh, and that new clients or contacts uh, are comfortable with, with the change and then that will change. And very important to manage that, that's for sure. When we come back after, I know, I'm, you know, Dan, we're dying to ask questions about human resources and hiring and firing and what works there. And I think we'll tackle that when we come back after the break. Sounds good. Vincent Bremer, our guest of Orangefield ICS on today's Entrepreneur at 730. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, Chartered Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. 7.36 on today's Entrepreneur. Welcome back, a pro- program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. Dan Delmar and Josh Miller with you. And our guest this evening is Vincent Bremmer of Orangefield ICS. They help people uh, and businesses do business in Hong Kong and China. And uh, Vincent, that certainly requires a very particular skill set. So let's talk about HR for a little bit and uh, the type of, of people uh, you look for. Obviously, multilingual is, is an asset. Uh, what are some other uh, qual- qualities that you look for in your employees? Uh, most of our employees are educated in the West, uh, so there we most of our staff is uh, obviously Chinese staff. Um, in Hong Kong, uh, a lot of the people were educated in Canada, so they moved to Canada for their education, or their family moved to Canada before the handover back to China. So uh, we have a lot of uh, Hong Kong Canadians. Um, so they speak Cantonese, which is the local dialect in um, in the southern part of China and in Hong Kong. Uh, but they also speak Mandarin, which is the official language of, of China. Obviously, uh, they're fluent in English, and sometimes they even speak other languages as well. Um, and I think the biggest skill they need to have is really build the, the bridge between the East and the West, so being able to understand what cl- Western clients need if they do business in China, but also understand the local mentality and culture to, to be successful in China. So I think uh, uh, our staff is able to, to connect the dots between the East and the West, 
uh, being able to speak the language, being able to understand both cultures and mentalities if you are helping clients to get started. What about training? When they, when somebody comes on board, is there a specific training program they have to endure? Do you kind of say, well, these are our certain policies and, and, and I guess, functions that you have to... Yes, we have an onboarding program for for each staff. Um, uh, most of our staff are qualified accountants, or they're on the on the legal side, on the company secretarial side, uh, because most of the maintenance issues, if if you are dealing with a company, are from a legal perspective or from a financial perspective. So they they already have a, a certain standard um, 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 compared to uh, unexperienced staff. Uh, and then we have an onboarding program on on what are our policies, our manuals, procedures for dealing with clients, but also internally, uh, because we often manage quite sensitive things for clients. We do their cash management, we, we take care of their books. Uh, so um, it's very important for clients to feel comfortable with that, and that comes with very strict manuals and procedures. Confidentiality is huge. Confidentiality is huge. Uh, trust is huge, yes. Now, hiring and firing. Uh, you know, the, the, there's got to be certainly different uh, different rules uh, you know, certainly that we know Hong Kong or people don't necessarily know, but there's a, there's very low unemployment in Hong Kong. So maybe you can explain a little bit your hiring and firing issues that you have to deal with. Um, yes. Hiring. We'll is start with hiring. Hiring. Yes. Let's start with a positive. Um, hiring is very difficult. Uh, it's a very competitive market. Uh, low in employment, probably for the people we're looking at, there is no unemployment um, within the service industry. There's probably too much demand and too 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 little supply. So uh, people tend to job shop, if that's a proper mm -hmm. yeah, uh, sure. word, quite a lot. And especially the young generation feels it's quite it's it's quite natural for them to stay within a job for one and a half years and then move on, even though they still see the challenge, they still see the development. But for them, it's just time to move on. They is want it, to. Is there anything you 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 do differently that maybe keeps the people uh, under under your banner? Yes. Of, and you know, so that they don't leave. Yeah, so we, we spend more time on getting them involved with, with the day-to-day -day business, understanding what we're doing, communication. We have monthly events whereby we explain what we're doing with, with, with clients, some, some developments. We spend more time on training. Um, probably compared to a local firm, there's a better work-life balance um, uh, because in a local firm, it's much more about performance and probably less so about um, uh, getting the appreciation for your performance and being able to... Um, uh, spend some b a bit more time with the family and and um, and, and the weekends. So we we try to distinguish ourselves with with local firms in that sense. Uh, but it's, it's it's still a very difficult market to f to find staff. Um, Have uh, salaries been on the rise? Yes, like inflation in Hong Kong is five percent. Uh, in in uh, probably in China even higher. Um, in the, the salaries in China have been increasing with ten percent, nine, ten percent. So that's more or less what they expect which is uh, it's difficult to maintain, of course, because clients will not expect the same increase no, clearly e not. every year. Uh, but they also have the same challenge if they staff. Uh, they have, uh, have to uh, find their employees. But yeah, inflation, salary increases have been, uh, have been very high. Um, so it's, it's a challenge to, to basically provide something else to, 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 to staff rather than just the salary increase because it's, it's impossible to continue uh, that, that route because uh, ultimately it, it stops somewhere. So we are trying to uh, distinguish ourselves in other areas rather than just salary. Now, let's talk about the other side of it. I, and I know you don't necessarily want to get rid of people because it's so hard to get to begin with. But what happens if, if, uh, if there's somebody that you do necessarily want to say, thank you very much, but you're not working out with us for whatever reason? 
Is it easy to do? Is it difficult? Do you don't have to worry because they leave anyways? Um, um, yeah, I think we need to make a clear distinction between Hong Kong and China. Uh, Hong Kong is it's, it's relatively easy, I would say. Uh, you have a, a mutual notice period in the contract, so both for the employer and the employee, you have the similar notice period. So if you it doesn't work out, you can serve the the, the employee notice, and basically, uh, you have sometimes for a, for a, for a long term employee, you need to pay them a long service payment, or um, but that that's it. And then after they serve their notice, uh, they can leave the company. Uh, in China, it's it's much more difficult to get get rid of your staff if you really if if something is going on, even though you know they did something wrong and and deliberately so, even sometimes fraud. Mm-hmm. Proving it is is a different way, and especially if you have, have to fire a local Chinese staff um, as a as a Western company, that can be quite challenging. And you don't want to go to court in China, to be honest. So, so you need to find a way to separate ways, uh, in, which will save the face of the employee, um, uh, and and basically also look after your own interest. It's, it actually sounds a little bit similar to Quebec, uh, not that we're communist or anything, um, but you know certainly to let go of an employee in Quebec as certainly somebody that's been relatively long-standing, you need a lot of you need just cause and you need a lot of backup information to say thank you, but you're not working out, and if not, it's difficult to get to get rid of them. It, it could be very expensive, and at worst, they might even be able to get their job back uh, if uh, if they apply to the courts. So. Uh, I can well imagine that it's it's really difficult. Now, I guess somebody, an entrepreneur coming in to start a business, um, where do they even begin to look for for people? Is it they use placement agencies? Do uh, do they place ads on, online? I guess. Yeah, you have uh, uh, sites for for jobs like websites. So, like uh, uh, there are a number of ways of finding the right staff, and of course, depending on the expertise. Uh, so, websites, recruitment firms, HR firms. Um, uh, you have certain uh, networks where you have certain qualified staff where you can find people. So it, there are different platforms to uh, to obtain staff. Probably again in China a bit more difficult compared to Hong Kong. Hong Kong is a very educated market, so in that sense, uh, uh, it's easier to identify the targets. Probably to get the targets on board is is more difficult because of the situation we just described. Uh, but um, um, at least you are able to find the candidates. While in China, finding the candidates is probably more of a challenge, uh, but that's getting more developed. And you mentioned, you know, you try to have a good work-life balance, but when you're dealing with customers that are overseas in 12, 13-hour time difference, uh, you still have to explain to your your team that, I know it's, you know, 8 to 6 or 7, but by the way, we have customers that are working from 8 p.m. till 8 a.m. We have to be a little bit mindful of that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, we have clients coming all over the world, so time difference is always an issue, and especially with North America, 12 hours is probably the worst time difference you can imagine. Uh, but then you need to be flexible. So if they stay longer to basically have a talk with, with the client do when they start their, their time, then you can you will not say to them, you need to come in tomorrow at time. You will just give them a little bit of, of time to come in later or just do other things, um, and then they will work later. They're, they're, in that sense, that's the nice thing. They're very... Uh, they feel very responsible towards the clients. They're very disciplined in that. But I think it's give and take as a, as a company. If they come in, they stay in longer because they need to uh, have a discussion with the client. That's it. Thank you very much, Dan. I think we, you know, we're going to move on from Orangefield because we've we've heard a lot, and there's actually quite a number of similarities with some Quebec entrepreneurs. But now we're going to move on when we come back from the break. Doing business in and through Hong Kong. So what are the pitfalls? What are the challenges? 
Let's see if uh, Vincent can help guide us through. Sounds good. Today's Entrepreneur on CJAD 800 at 745. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, Chartered Accountants, and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Inspiring stories from outstanding business people. Welcome back. Dan Delmar and Fuller Landau's Josh Miller with you. And our guest this evening is Vincent Bremer of Orangefield ICS. And uh, let's delve a bit more uh, into Hong Kong, Josh. And listen, we know the world is getting smaller. Uh, we know that you know business just, just doesn't happen in Canada or let alone North America. And that Hong Kong and certainly the mainland China is a major factor when you're looking at expanding your operations, doing business internationally, whether you're sourcing from there, whether you want to sell to there because they're increasing their consumer market incredibly. That's where their focus is. But the question I guess I have is, it, to, to Vincent, if somebody, why would somebody open up a company in Hong Kong? What is, what is maybe some of the specific benefits that they would get of doing so? I think for all the reasons you just mentioned, the growing market in China. So Hong Kong is really an international platform for doing business in, in the region. So Hong Kong is being used for clients doing investment in Southeast Asia in general, and probably more specifically China. Um, so traditionally we had a lot of clients doing their manufacturing in China and then exporting it via Hong Kong through the home market uh, because trading through Hong Kong made things way easier if you look at cash management, establishing your operations, controlling your operations in Hong Kong or in China through Hong Kong. So that's really one of the... And I, and I think it's a great comment to make because you know, a lot of people, uh, certainly entrepreneurs, small, medium-sized enterprises say, you know what, let me go to China direct. Let me go to the mainland directly and try to make it happen. Where, where are maybe some of the pitfalls or challenges and how does Hong Kong kind of mitigate or going through Hong Kong kind of mitigate a couple of those? Uh, yeah, there are, there are a couple of advantages. So there are a couple of practical advantages. So if you set up your legal structure in China, um, it's easier if you do that through Hong Kong. The Chinese authorities will recognize a Hong Kong company much more easy, easily compared to using a Canadian company incorporated, Wufi, which is uh, the Chinese uh, entity. Um, so from a practical perspective, it's, it's way easier to do it through Hong Kong. Um, then the second issue will be cash management. Um, it's, it's quite easy for Hong Kong to receive funds from China and basically distributing it back to wherever the, the client is located. In Hong Kong, you have all the international banks present where multi-currency accounts, you can also deal with uh, probably Hong Kong is one of the most sophisticated offshore markets for, for RMB. So basically the, the local Chinese currency which can be dealt with outside of China. So the Hong Kong is probably the, the most sophisticated place to, to do that. Um, and, and then there are some tax advantages as well. If you uh, have your Hong Kong company hold your Wufi, there's a tax treaty in place. Obviously, there's an interest of China to use Hong Kong because it's ultimately part of, uh, of China. Um, and then Hong Kong is also able to conclude tax treaties with other countries. So if you uh, have a tax treaty in place like with Canada, uh, it's, it's probably more efficient to get funds back from through Hong Kong as well rather than from China directly. So there are a couple of practical and legal advances. And when we come back from the break, we'll talk a little bit more about that double tax arrangement or that tax treaty between Canada and Hong Kong and where the benefits are today about setting something up. And by the way, when Vincent says woofy, it's not, he's not making dog sounds. It's a wholly foreign-owned enterprise. So just so that everybody knows what we're talking about. Today's Entrepreneur on CJAD 753. 
For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, chartered accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Vincent Brimmer is our guest of Orangefield ICS. Josh, we're talking about uh, doing business in Hong Kong and how Vincent's company uh, facilitates that. And there, I mean, there, Dan, there's so much to talk about. And we're not going to get to everything. But the one thing that I did want to bring up is our tax treaties. There's a new tax treaty between Canada and Hong Kong that uh, came into force the, this January. And I just wanted to touch briefly on it. Maybe not so much from a Canadian Hong Kong standpoint, but how China is implicated and how it's good for Canadian entrepreneurs and Canadian businesses. Um, yes, I think it's probably good to explain that all the business from China starts in Hong Kong. So all the Chinese entrepreneurs have their first stop overseas. Technically for them, Hong Kong is overseas, mm -hmm. is Hong Kong. So without the treaty, probably there w it would be less interesting to move into Canada without uh, the treaty in place between Canada and Hong Kong. So uh, take, taking, keeping that in mind, um, um, setting up um, uh, through Hong Kong and then investing into Canada will give a lot of benefits for Chinese investors, um, reduction of withholding taxes. Uh, so I think Canada always has been an interesting market for, for Chinese to invest into, but the treaty will definitely be, make it more interesting and more beneficial uh, to do so, uh, because all the business from China goes through Hong Kong. Um, so the treaty will definitely help. And from a Canadian perspective, I can certainly add that now that there is a, a double tax arrangement or a tax treaty with Hong Kong, if you're going to open up a subsidiary in Hong Kong to sell your international to sell to your international clients, uh, certainly the tax rate in Hong Kong is is so low, and there's actually no tax on any uh, Hong Kong revenue that's not sourced in Hong Kong that is international. And when you distribute the funds, which is easy to do from Hong Kong to Canada, there's no withholding tax, so you can pull out the money uh, tax free, which is certainly a huge a huge advantage. So these double tax arrangements are, are actually pretty good, but every case is different, no doubt. And as we come to the remaining moments of the show, uh, and as we ask uh, our guests all the time, this one might be a little different, but Vincent, perhaps you can tell us what your one piece of advice is for today's entrepreneur. Um, if you start your business in, in Asia or in China specifically, focus on your sales, focus on your product. Uh, really start worrying about staffing, Later on, make sure first that you have the contracts, that you have the, uh, the 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 clients in place, and then once you are comfortable with that, because it's it's quite a big step into China in general, I would say. Um, either you do it through Hong Kong or directly into China. It, it's a very challenging market. It's a very interesting market. It's a very growing market. But but focus first on getting your business running, and then start hiring staff and uh, start dealing with those kind of issues because. Uh, setting up your entity probably is already a challenge enough, finding the right customers. Um, there's, again, there's huge potential, but then the staffing uh, should focus on, on sales rather than on, on, on taking care of your uh, uh, administrative burden. Um, and once that's done, you probably that's the next step, I would say. Uh, so that makes it a little bit less challenging. And, you know, I, I perfectly agree. You really have to... This is, if you don't have your sales, if you don't have your revenues, the cost can be so prohibitive that you can, you, can, you can be dead before you even get out of the water. So thank you very much, Vincent. Yeah, Dan, uh, we come back next week with Startups.
Excellent. So the theme is startups. We have a couple of companies that only started a few months ago. We're going to talk about their challenges of getting out into the market. Should be fun. And thanks to Vincent Bremer of Orangefield ICS. Uh, thanks, Vincent. And hope, uh, hopefully Josh uh, shows you a good time tonight in Montreal. Thank you. Oh, that's not possible. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll see you back next Monday night at 7 for another episode of Today's Entrepreneur. It's, seven, it's 8 o'clock right now on CJAD 800.